0: Welcome to Home for the Caregiver. Here on American Family Radio, this is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. How you doing? How you holding up? What's going on with you? I am doing this show from Denver still, where I'm still watching after Gracie as she... Actually, I'm letting a lot of nurses watch after her and doctors uh, as she is recovering from this surgery. She is recovering. It is a slow process. It is a painful process, but yet here we are. Uh, we knew we had to go through this, and uh, she is tough. But it's a tough journey for her, and I thank you for the continued support and prayers, uh, thoughts. I get calls, emails, and so forth, text um, messages in our Facebook group, which you are welcome to join. It's it's Hope for the Caregiver. I have a Hope for the Caregiver page, and then I have a private group that I maintain the control over so it doesn't go off the rails or anything like that and it's just a place for caregivers can connect and I post a lot of special things there that I don't necessarily post everywhere else there are a few questions you have to answer and I do that because some people will try to join groups indiscriminately and then you'll get just flooded with stuff and I get some guy on the other side of the world that just wants to get employment as a caregiver and that's not really what the the point of the group is, it's the place for us to be able to share some things, build one another up, and I hope you'll take advantage of it and, and share those things with this group because it strengthens us as we talk about this, each of us. We all benefit from hearing one another's stories, and that's a place to do it. And also, speaking of which, on my page, HopeForTheCaregiver.com, you can go out and share your story. We'll put the, a quote or whatever you want us to put on there, but we won't put your name. I mean, just your first name. if. That's the way we work. But just something that if this show has meant something to you, if the, the book has meant something to you, or whatever it is on your heart, just put it out there. And we we keep all these things private and con- confidential as far as the name and so forth. But if you've got something you think would be meaningful to share for others, please do. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. In the back of my book, my, this is my new book, A Minute for Caregivers, which there is still time to get this for Christmas, by the way, <laughs> A Minute for Caregivers, When Every Day Feels Like Monday, the audiobook is now available. Uh, I read the entire book, which was not as easy as you think. And I, I referenced this situation that happened at happened at an event I was speaking at Uh, There was a guy that was, um, I was taking questions at the end, and I like to do that. I love to take questions and comments. I, I don't like to lecture. I like to just get out and just have a conversation with people when I go out and speak. And this guy happened to ask, what if the person, how do you deal with it when the person that you're caring for doesn't show gratitude? All right. How many of us have been there? And, you know, I was, I was overpowered by a moment of uncharacteristic wisdom (laughs) and i looked at the guy and i said there was 900 people there and i said you're not doing it for their gratitude none of us are if you do things so that other people will appreciate you well isn't that kind of like what jesus was talking about in luke 6 32 he says if you love those who love you what credit is that to you (laughs) even sinners love those who love them rather stern rebuke. You know, we we see these things in Scripture that look rather undramatic, if you will, at times because we're so used to the phrase and we're so used to the the words on there. But think about what he's saying there. Even sinners love those who love them. Rather pointed, wouldn't you say? But I, I told this man in front of this audience, I said, we do this because of who we are. Our character. Now, we may do it well. We may do it poorly. I've done it very poorly at times. But the point is, if I'm doing it because I expect something back from Gracie, then what good is that? You know, my, my brother has a daughter who's 35 years old and is non-community, non-verbal. She's not non-community because she can communicate. It's just she's non-verbal. Uh, she's like an 18-month-old, and she is uh, non-ambulatory. Well, she's not going to be able to articulate her gratitude. Not in the way that that we would expect or, or look for, or certainly like this guy was looking for. That's not why we do it. We do it because this is who we are. And once we understand the nature of who our Savior is, then we realize what He did, because He loved us while we were at enmity with Him, Scripture says. He first loved us. We didn't just—you know, I, I, ever get the feeling that some of the way preachers frame things, it's like God purposed for His Son to become flesh— go through all that he did, live this righteous life, perfect life, and then go through the horrificness of the cross to bear the punishment of the sins of his people. And then God is now hoping that we'll make the right decision. You ever you ever get the feeling that a lot of pastors frame it that way? That he's hoping you're going to make the right decision. Let's play one more verse of that hymn. Come on. I've heard... Some pastors say he's trying to get your attention. Does God try to do anything? I mean, think about that for just a moment. I mean, words mean something. And I think that we owe it to ourselves, to the people we're trying to communicate with, to be precise on our words. God doesn't try to do anything. He's God. He will do it. And he's not hoping that we're going to make the right decisions. He is loving us even though we did not first love him, but he calls us to him. He regenerates us. It's it's basically Lazarus. The story of Lazarus. Jesus called Lazarus out. He didn't say, hey, Lazarus, what do you think? Would you like to go to heaven, Lazarus? He didn't say, Lazarus, would you like to live again? He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus got up and he walked out. And then what did he say? He said to everybody, loose him and let him go. He had grave clothes on him and the grave clothes stank. Lazarus didn't stink anymore. He was a new creature. He was alive that had been dead. He was reanimated. He was regenerated. And part of our sanctification process is we help one another get those stinky grave clothes off of us. You know? And I think that part of that stinky grave clothes is us thinking somehow we got to get people's gratitude. We have, to, we have to be shown appreciation. No, we don't. We don't. That's just one more piece of stinky grave clothes that we don't need. And we loose one another and let ourselves go of this thing. And that's what this program is about so that we can loose one another so that we can walk freely, we could give freely, that we're not in bondage to other people's gratitude because we have been regenerated. And if we're aspiring to be like the one who regenerated us, he came with no thought of our gratitude. He loved us while we were enemies of his. Poured out his life. He came to us. He condescended to us. Who are we, not to condescend to others? Who are we to withhold that which was given so lavishly to us? You know, that's the whole point of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. He came to be with us because He knew that we could not be with Him. So when this guy asked, "What do you do when they are not grateful?" There is no they. As Dr. Diane Langberg says, there's no they. There's only us. The only one who could say they was him, and he became like us so that we could be with him. There is no they. There is just us. When you start saying they don't do this, they don't do that, there's no they. It's just us. But he loved us enough to condescend. He loved us enough to pour out his life for us that's how we do it as caregivers and that is hope for the caregiver we give because we've been given to this is peter rosenberger this is hope for the caregiver we'll be right back if you are
1: 65 or older you know this watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on health care costs is so frustrating but here's some great news if you were just notified that your medicare costs are increasing a program out there can really help you with your medical bills. And it's worth taking a minute to look into MediShare 65 plus it's not insurance. Members actually say it's better. It's a Christian healthcare community that aligns with your faith and where people encourage and pray for you. And MediShare 65 plus is a low cost option for those with Medicare parts A and B. And it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. You choose any Medicare provider and you get telehealth access anytime you need it. And this is great, too. Unlike health insurance, you can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. So don't get stuck with increasing costs. Call MediShare 65 Plus and find out how much you can save. Call 833-45-BIBLE.
2: That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. Don't you hate it? You want to relax and watch a little TV. But after looking through the shows that are on, you finally settle on something that seems appropriate. It starts off fine, but then the adult content pops up. People barely clothed, pushing lifestyles that call evil good, then making good look evil. And those are just the commercials. Take back control of what you watch. AFA streaming not only gives you the ability to decide what you watch and when, you'll never have to worry about sinful content. It's free to join and gives you access to content that doesn't just entertain. It will encourage you and strengthen you in your relationship with God, and it will help you understand the schemes of the enemy and fortify your biblical worldview. And if you decide to become a Great Commission partner, you'll unlock unlimited access to all the resources that are currently available and all that is to come in the future. Find out more about AFA Streaming and sign up today at streaming.afa.net.
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. We're so glad that you're with us. Hope for the Caregiver.com. I am pleased to welcome to the program Grammy Award winner, Dove Award winner, author, musician, artist, songwriter, and fellow caregiver, Laura Story. Laura, welcome to the program. How are you feeling?
3: Yay, I'm feeling good. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm glad to have you here. Uh, Your story is a rather compelling one. And Mm -hmm. this program is for family caregivers, for those who put themselves voluntarily between a chronic impairment that a loved one is facing and even worse disaster. You are such a person. And uh, most (laughs) people know you from your music and your books. (laughs) Yes, you are. And they know you from your music and your books and all of those things. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got into this journey of being a caregiver.
3: Yes. So tell you about me. I live uh, right outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I work at a church called Perimeter Church, and I've been there a little over 18 years. We love it here. And uh, we have four amazing kiddos. Uh, Josie is 11, and then we have three. She's our lone girl. We've got three boys, nine, nine, and five. And yeah, really sweet life, uh, but certainly a life that has its a lot of challenges. And just right off the bat, I'll just jump right in there, Peter. Uh, this church where we are um, is, has been great. But about five months after we came on staff here, my husband started having just some really weird symptoms and was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so he went in and had brain surgery and probably was released maybe two weeks um, after you know being in the hospital uh, developed complications within those just a few days of being out and then we ended up back there for about two and a half months. So when he finally was released, I will never forget talking to the the doctor who was signing the order to discharge him from that um, neuro step down unit, unit and I remember saying to him, um, I'm so glad to be leaving this hospital <laughs> because, you know, any caregiver knows, you know, how, how uncomfortable those chairs are that they have, you know, in in those hospital rooms as you're, as you're sitting with your, sleeping, spending the night with your loved one. I said, I'm so glad to be leaving here, but I'm a little bit confused because I thought he would be better. I thought my husband, I thought we were gonna come in, you'd remove the tumor and that we would kind of go back to life like it was before. Uh, And that was the beginning of me understanding that there's a whole new normal that the Lord um, was going to kind of navigate us embracing. Um, The Lord is going to help us navigate embracing. And so that's kind of the first little bit of our story.
0: You know, I have spent more time in hospital chairs than I care to admit. And uh, I I was so grateful. This last surgery where, where Gracie's right now, they've got these couches that... In the in the ICU, she's been in neuro ICU for a while, and now she's down in the neuro step down. But but they got these couches that don't have a fold out bed. They instead the the firm cushion of the couch, and it's a flat surface. But then the back of it folds down to make a flat surface on it. It's kind of like a puzzle piece that fits like Tetris, and so Ooh. it makes a nice firm surface. It's only like a small cut, but it doesn't have the bar in the middle of it. And yes. I. So I went online, Laura, and I wanted to try to buy one of those for <laughs> <in> my home <laughs> because on nights when it gets a little gnarly, I thought, uh-huh. that, I, I like this. And, and I so, it, that. you know, if you do your Christmas shopping at the medical supply store, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, th- these are cool gadgets, but I couldn't find it anywhere on Amazon. So, yeah, I'd, but I remember those, oh, those chairs and you just, you, you have to go to, you know. Some kind of contortionist specialist to get yourself out yes. of these knots you get and, in. And
3: yeah. And you're also thinking, this is the most money I've ever paid to sleep somewhere so uncomfortably.
0: It, it <laughs> you know, well, so where are you guys now? What are so the, where are we
3: now? That's a great question. Man, now, this has, been,
0: this has been 18 years.
3: Well, yes and no. So it's been, it's been 18 years um, since Martin's initial surgery. And anyone that lives with, uh, you know, like, like the people who were probably listening right now, anyone, anyone that lives with, with any sort of chronic disability, a lot of times there's the kind of the beginning of it, the start of when you kind of start that journey, but um, unlike many trials we face, there's, there's rarely that end, that, that finish line. And I think part of, uh, and I know that we'll probably get into more of this, but I think that's part of what's hard for believers. I I was reading a book on disability and and one of those, you know, great resource for caregivers. And the the in the foreword, I'm pretty sure it was Tim Keller that talked about how as believers, sometimes the church knows how to rally around someone uh who, who has a whether it's a brain tumor or you know, whatever illness and episodic. And pray, Yes, pray for them for healing. And, and the church knows how to celebrate when the Lord um, gives us that healing we pray for. The church also knows really well how to, you know, w- I think, walk through something that is de- declining and deteriorating and then that loved one passes on to heaven. and we know how to to care for that family and to grieve that loss. But sometimes for us, you know, when it comes to chronic illness, I'm not entirely sure the church understands as well how to, uh, how to live with chronic disability. I think theologically, sometimes we don't know how to make sense of you know, how could we pray so much for something, um, you know, for God to bring healing and, and for whatever reason, things either get worse or uh, often they just stay the same. So uh, all that to say, our story is, it was brain tumor, but now it's brain injury. And my husband lives with a a memory deficit and a vision deficit. And our lives just look a lot different than most other people's. Um, And we, I, I tell people often, we are thriving, but we're also limping. And I'm learning that you can actually limp and thrive all at the same
0: time. <laughs> We're counting
4: I'll on tell it. You,
3: we but we always uh, we always live very, very dependent lives um on the Lord.
0: I agree with you. It is hard for people to know what to do when it lingers on and then it's hard for caregivers. One of the things I help myself and fellow caregivers is to have ready-made answers to tell people because people really do oh, mean that's well. So but good. I can't read Gracie's chart off every time somebody asks me how she's doing. What am I going to mm-hmm. say? After a while, it becomes a little bit difficult. and and so you have this inner group where you can share things with. You have a yep. medium group that you can share things with. And then you have people that you can speak the same language with that you share that. So you have to you have to use a little bit of discernment because a lot of people yeah. really don't know what to do with that. And they mm-hmm. kind of like I I don't know if you ever remember that episode of Seinfeld when. George decided to bear his soul to Jerry and it shocked Jerry back into emotionlessness. Yes, He's like, good luck that. with all that. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and,
3: well, and, and, and people, people uh, oftentimes are, our, our answers um make people feel uncomfortable and, or make people um feel sorry for us, which is not, uh, that's not really what I'm. That's
0: not the goal is it? To do.
3: Or like, you know, you pass by someone who comes up to you in church and go, you know, how's Martin? Is he doing better? And, and sometimes I just find myself saying, "Yeah, sure, sure," because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 just don't want them to be like, "Oh, oh really? He's not any." <laughs> but that's well, that's, and, part of, and, that's part of disability. Is is it is? But, and in some level, we um we are getting better. And that's one of the things that I I get a chance to talk to a lot of people about. So I, kind of a funny story I. I did a uh, podcast with a woman who also her husband had a traumatic brain injury. That's not the funny part, obviously, but I, uh, (laughs) I know, sorry.
0: The the disclaimer wasn't
3: required. (laughs) Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, But she just shared this, just the, the painful journey and after she was done the radio host who was doing the interview and I was just kind of another guest on the, on the, the radio show the radio host hugs her and says, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you and I just know that things are gonna get better. So then it comes to me and I'm Debbie Downer. I'm I'm the realist in the group. And I I said to her, I said, I want you to know I also will be praying for you, but I'm not gonna tell you that I know that things will get better because they may not. But what I can tell you is I know that you can get better even if things don't get better better. And that's one thing that I, I feel like caregivers, we learn that in a special way. We learn that our wellness and, and what I'm describing, I'm not saying this is easy. This is something I'm still struggling to believe. I'm still struggling to figure out what does this really look like in my life? But our wellness and our peace and our um value and all, all of those things the The wellness of our soul cannot depend on that diagnosis or that uh, the the latest scan uh, and i I'm going super deep with you guys we We had a doctor's visit uh, last week week and a half ago, and the doctor said to us, uh you know, so Martin's brain tumor." it might be growing. And so we've had no, no tumor growth for 15 years now. And the doctor said, there's something on the scan that makes us think that it might be growing. And we said, okay, what do we need to do? And he said, well, I just need to rescan him again in six months. And it's like, what? So so we're going to be like on the edge of our seat. So what do you want us to do for this next six months? Exactly. And I feel like because we're 18 years in, we were able to say, you know, um, we are not, we are not going to let anxiety and fear and what could be, we're not going to allow that to steal the joy of the next six months we're just going to choose to trust God with it. And that's not us being um, negligent. It's just us saying, you know, that the diagnosis doesn't get the final word. We believe that the Lord gets the final word. And I, and I know that that sounds like a lofty idea, but we're just choosing. That's what we believe. No, it, looks it, like it actually doesn't.
0: It, it sounds like it is a lofty idea. It sounds like it in that sense, but not in a trite sense. And I'll, I'll explain that when we come back from the break, uh, because I was actually having this conversation last night with Gracie before I left her in the okay. hospital last night to come back to my room. It's, it's there is a poignant part of that, and I wanna, I wanna mine that a little bit deeper with you. We're talking with Grammy Award winner, Dove Award winner, author, and fellow caregiver, Laura Story, this is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver, we'll be right back.
4: Target is in the bullseye because of its transgender bathroom policy. A
3: petition by the American Family Association to boycott Target now surpassing a million signatures and counting.
5: People have their own beliefs and stuff, but what could it hurt?
3: What could it
1: hurt?
5: What could it
3: hurt? Could- it hurts our daughters.
5: It hurts you. It hurts our families.
3: It hurts me. It hurts, me. It hurts, me. It hurts all of us. us. Sign the petition to boycott Target at afa.net.
2: Sandy Rios 24-7. It's not a morning show. It's an all-day show fueled by the wit and wisdom of Sandy Rios. If you have a smartphone, I think you should download the AFR app. Sandy Rios 24-7 is on the podcast page at AFR.net. I have, you know, so many listeners from the radio show who are now listening to the podcast. Sandy Rios 24-7. You live my prayers all the time. Sandy Rios 24-7 on the podcast page at AFR.net.
4: I'm Rick Scarborough and this is my take. Why do so many Christians who are listening to this commentary refuse to register and vote their values on election day? If a majority of those who share basic Christian values voted, godly candidates would win every fair election. But history and 40 years of trying to change that reality have proven to me they will not. In fact, we are witnessing a rapid decline of decency, safety, and civility while criminals roam our streets mobs smash windows and destroy businesses, fleeting with loot, and violence fills our streets. But there's hope. Recover America has joined other organizations who refuse to surrender our country to Satan and who are fighting back with biblical tools and constitutional safeguards. We call ourselves the Remnant Alliance, and you can learn more by going to recoveramerica.com. I'm Rick Scarborough, and that's my take.
3: It's the longing of my heart
0: For God in flesh Through this Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Hopeforthecaregiver.com We are talking with Laura Story. She's sharing her journey in this role as caregiver where she has had to redefine a lot of things in her life. It's changed the way she writes songs. Certainly you all in this audience, many of you have been blessed by her music. Her book, So Long Normal, is out, and other things that she is writing and journaling through this process as she's growing deeper in understanding how God's provision sustains us through some pretty brutal things. She was just referring back to the diagnosis that the doctor had over her husband's brain tumor that may be returning, and they've got to wait and see for six months. And God does get the final word, and I was saying this before the break, Laura, that Last night before I left Gracie, I looked at her and said, "You know, Scripture says that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall walk and not grow weary, run and not grow faint. Mount up with wings of eagles." I really believe this. And Gracie doesn't yeah. have legs. Uh, her body mm. is racked with pain, and I know that she's going to walk and not grow weary. She's going to run and not and yeah. all of the above. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness, Genesis 15. Before he did anything that acted on his faith, he believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. When we believe these things, it has significance that God is the final story on this. His word will endure. In fact, nothing else will. The grass withers, the Mm -hmm. flower fades, but the word of God endures. So when we consume ourselves with this word, and we stand on that, even though what we're looking at is devastation in front of us, yeah. Recognize that when we believe God Abraham was an old man and his wife was old but he believed God. He took him at his mm-hmm. word and I love that old course. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at yeah. his word. Absolutely. That is the foundation for our whole faith. And so when you say those things it wasn't a lofty ideal, it is a lofty truth. It is yes. a higher view of God to say even if we walk all the way to the cemetery, which for us as caregivers, that's the goal is that Mm -hmm. we're the ones that walk, that stand at the grave. Mm -hmm. We do not stand there defeated.
3: Amen to that.
0: So as I followed your story and and looked at this and this audience understands that we've mined these issues. And so we're, we're not afraid to talk about them in this context. Whereas some people get uncomfortable with this. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Do you ever find yourself and I'm going somewhere with this. Do you ever find yourself not knowing how to pray? How do you pray in this? And tell me about your journey with that.
3: Yeah, man, that's a great question. Because I think, um, you know, with us leaving the hospital, with Martin having all these new limitations, it really was hard to know uh, how do we pray. But I think part of it was that our prayers so often um, are connected to our expectations or our version of what it looks like for God to bless us. And, you know, and you mentioned, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a wife to it husband with a disability, but I'm also a singer and all that. And so I've written a lot of songs about what does it look like to for the Lord to bless us even through the trials. So a lot of it is expectation. But sorry, more specifically with your question, one of the things for us, our caregiving situation looks a lot different than other people. I've, I've, um, I have a good friend whose husband has Parkinson's. Caring for him looks very different. Uh, than me caring for Martin for a long time. I, I don't even know if I would have put myself in the category of caregiver because my husband, um, he has a brain injury, but he's very able-bodied. You know, we have four kids that we had after his brain injury, which some people are like, are you crazy? And the answer is yes, we are crazy. That that was a crazy thing to do, but he's a wonderful dad. He's a wonderful husband, but um, d- due to his limitations, there are things that look very different about our family. And so a lot of times our our prayers is, God, use these limitations to teach us something about yourself, about ourselves, teach our children something um, that they would not have without having a husband or a father with a disability. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. Uh, when our son yelled out for his mother, when a deer came in our backyard, lived when we lived in Nashville... When he was a little boy, mom, get your legs on come see this deer. Yes, that makes (laughs) a lot of sense to us, you know, because it's a part of our life. I think that a lot of people don't identify themselves as caregivers sometimes. I I don't know that I did for the longest time, even though I've been doing it now for almost 40 years.
4: Yeah,
0: Um, I did a bit a while back with Jeff Foxworthy to help that say, you know, you might be a caregiver if...
3: And oh, I love uh, that. Be and I love be able to drive that point
0: home. Really. Well, dear, you know, dear you, man. we don't necessarily think of that. But one of the things I've expanded this audience to understand is that if you're in a relationship with an alcoholic or an addict, you're a caregiver. Mm-hmm. That's a chronic impairment. Mm-hmm. Wherever there's a chronic impairment, there's a caregiver. A uh, Mental illness. Yeah. Anything of that nature.
3: You've got, you know,
0: I've got a buddy of mine who's got a son with 40, 40 something years old with Down syndrome. He never thought of himself Hmm. as a caregiver, but he is. And so, yeah, those things do affect the way we look at life. And you talk about this sometimes when you say the word, you use the word tether. Hmm. I I say that all caregivers suffer from three eyes. We lose our identity. We become isolated and we lose our independence. There is a tethering that goes on. With this, talk about that with you and the tethering that you've had to this because it's not something you can just put down and walk away from. It's, yeah. it's in your whole fabric of your life.
3: It's in the whole fabric of our lives, but as believers, we have to we have to acknowledge that this isn't something that caught the Lord off guard. One of the things that I get asked often is like, "So why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to you?" And I am very quick. Always to say, okay, there's two places in scripture that tell us why bad things happen. Things like disability, things like chronic illness, all of that. Um, One is uh, Romans 5, where Paul talks about the fall. Sin has entered into this, brokenness is entered into this world, and it will be here until Jesus returns. And so some of that, you just have to grieve. A lot of people are, they're not great at grieving, you know, saying, hey, this looks really different than how I imagined. Yet, guess what? This looks very. This is very different than God's original design, um, and so there's that grief of saying, "Okay, this disability happened just because sin exists in the world." But the second, but it's not the only answer the Bible gives, which is really neat. Uh, you see John nine, where there's a man that's born blind, man that's born with a disability, and the disciples are so quick to say, "Okay, whose fault is this? Was it his parents? Was it his?" And Jesus, it's like, he's kind of like throwing their question out the window and gives them an answer where he says, it, w- it wasn't either of those things. He was born blind that the works of God might be displayed. And it's this amazing realization of, so, you know, why, why doesn't God just snap his finger? Why does, why is my husband disabled? Why was of all the people, why was, when he was formed in his mother mother's womb, why did, was he born with a brain tumor? and it's because this is what broke this is what it looks like to live in a broken world um, but that's not the only answer we have we have to believe that we will see the works of god the wondrous deeds of god through my husband's disability and that's one of the things um so you go back to identity what what were the three eyes you said i love this identity isolation and, independence. and loss of
0: independence yeah
3: yes yes i have endured Every single one of those, every single one of those where every
0: every caregiver without exception will deal with these three issues.
3: Uh, And I, I'd say that the isolation one might be the biggest one because after you, um, like, like initially we were talking about people stopping you in church, how are things going? Um, And you almost like you almost, if you can't say fine, like after years of not being able to say how things really are, you begin to think. People really want me to say fine, Um, and so I'm just not going to say anything, and I'm just going to avoid even walking by anyone, and then you get to the point where you say, you know, with disability alone, church is just hard, so I'm just going to stay home anyway. I'm just going to watch it online. Everybody's doing that these days. We'll just watch it online, and then before long, you begin to believe not just that you don't need church, but the the church doesn't need you. We have an amazing special needs ministry at our church. If you live in the Atlanta area, come visit Perimeter Church. We're brand new at it, but it is, uh, there are parents of uh, specifically like autistic children who had not gone to church in years because they show up and they say, yeah, our family is a distraction, and it would break my heart hearing them say this, but we're, we're really wanting them to see that when the Lord said, hey, let the children come to me. He wasn't just saying, "Let the able-bodied, fully functional kids come." Like he wants all of the children, all of the people to to come to him, and and so. Well, fourteen, I think, is the hard hardest one of those. Even,
0: I, I've often maintained that caregivers feel isolated in a crowded room, and they can feel isolated on a crowded pew.
3: And one thing that we've heard from families, as we've been talking with these families, we hear. Well, I used to go to church, but I just felt like a squeaky wheel as I was trying to get that. Like a good example, we were, we went to a church, and this this particular issue doesn't did not rub against Martin's disability. But we went to a, a church; their children's ministry was upstairs. And they didn't have an elevator. Things like that, but, but so often the parents um, or even the caregiver or whatever feels like, oh, I've just been advocating, and I just it would just be better if I left. It would be better if we stayed home. Things like that break my heart because it's not just that the family needs that community of church; it's that the church needs the ski wheel. You know, it's what squeaky wheels. Sometimes, like you feel annoying, but it's also what the Lord uses for sanctification for communities of people. We've seen that with Martin's disability. like Our kids are in a school with a lot of parental um, involvement. One of the things they have these field trips and the parents sign up to drive the kids to the field trips. Well, Martin doesn't drive because he doesn't have the vision to do it. There are also other areas that he's not able to serve. And so I had the choice of, okay, I could just go and serve at all these things. I can drive, I'll just do it. I don't want to be, a, again, I don't want to be a squeaky wheel. But I had a couple of friends say, hey, you really should mention to them that maybe there would be a way for Martin to participate where he didn't have to drive. And once I mentioned it, um, I was it was so great to have like an advocate for the advocate, you know? <laughs> an advocate for the caregiver. Um, but but it really it's like putting yourself out there to say, hey, I know that we're the minority. I know that we don't look like every other family. We don't function like every other family. Um, but would you mind making this adjustment for us? And as weird as it feels, um, usually people, w- whether they respond instantly uh, grateful that you brought it up, or maybe they don't, but it's still the work that the Lord is doing in their life um, to, to really open their awareness of, of how they can serve the, the community, the greater community better.
0: I completely agree. And well, we're going to talk some more about that. We're talking with Laura's story. This is an amazing conversation of just how the church can interact with those of us who are in these families with disabilities and challenges, special needs and so forth, and then ministering to the caregivers so that we can participate in church. So Because we're, mm-hmm. we're not supposed to forsake the assembly yeah. of us gathering yeah. together corporate worship. But it's hard to do that if the church is not welcoming to folks, not necessarily by design, but by lack of design, if you will. Yeah. And we're going to talk some more about these things. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll be right back. I'll never forget walking into the hospital room after Gracie had her second amputation. Both legs are gone now. And she looked at me. She said, I know what I'm going to do. And I was kind of startled. I said, well, what are you going to do? She said, I'm going to help provide prosthetic limbs to my fellow amputees and tell them about Jesus. And I said, Well, baby, can we get out of the hospital first? But she never let it go. And for almost 20 years, we've been working out of Ghana, West Africa. We treat patients all over there from other countries that come there. We send supplies, we send teams. We sponsor patients. We work with a prison where inmates volunteer to disassemble used prosthetic limbs so we can recycle the parts. All of this because Gracie trusted God with her heartache. We've got a huge shipment of supplies that is being loaded up right now to go out soon. Would you help us do it? Standingwithhope.com giving. Standingwithhope.com slash giving. There's prosthetic feet, knees, pylons, sleeves, adapters, all kinds of connectors, all of these things we are sending over there so that people can walk. We're going to point them to Christ. Help us out. Standingwithhope.com slash
5: giving. The Word of God tells us many times in one form or another, fear not. Today in the world, many people are very fearful about some of the many perils and dangerous happenings that are going on in the world. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 tell us, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. I'm Joseph Parker and we here at the American Family Association would like to remind you, fear not, put your trust in the Lord. We'd like to both encourage and challenge you to aggressively put your faith to work. And one way to do that is to pray Psalm 91 daily for yourself and your family and keep your trust in Him. If you'd like to get a copy of the Psalm 91 prayer for yourself, email us here at psalm91 at afa.net. Again, that's psalm91 at afa.net.
3: Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears?
0: Welcome back to Hope for the Caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is the program for you as a family caregiver. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. Laura's story is with us today. We're talking about a lot of different things as her family has journeyed now for some years and having to deal with a new normal. I think that probably drove the whole concept of her book, So Long Normal. Adios, normal, as they say south of the border. And <laughs> we are we are thrilled to have you. By the way, she and I are both south carolinians and uh, i don't know if you guys Mm -hmm. guys can tell we have subtitles for this show no i'm just (laughs) her she grew up in the spartanburg area and then we both went to same school for a while did you how long were you at columbia
3: oh gracious that's a whole other story i was there (laughs) on and off for eight years because i I was (laughs) doing music in the midst of all of it so it took me quite a while to to get out of that place but definitely (laughs) loved my time there
0: I think they felt like I didn't get out of there fast enough, but I <laughs> I, I helped do a lot of uh, work penalties there. When we had, there you we go. Had those a lot kind of toilets you got to
3: scrub. <laughs> I scrubbed
0: my share, but uh, I was there for a couple of years before I transferred to Belmont, a great place down there at Columbia International University. I appreciate the candor that you've gone into with this, and I know that this journey has affected you professionally as well. How has your writing changed? I mean, mm. it, when you start when you wrote Blessings, I mean, this is an incredibly reflective song. Maybe this is what God is going on. This is, you know, and we've all been there. Is those of us who live with any type of of challenges like this? But after a while, you know, you you mentioned the why question. People come and say, you know, why why do you suppose this? What, what what who sinned? You know that kind of stuff. And I'm like, what is God going to tell me that's going to make me smack my forehead and say, oh great, now I know why you got it, Lord. I feel so much better. It's the oh, wrong isn't question. That so true. Yeah. It's the wrong yeah. question. The question is, who is God? how has your writing changed that as you are resolved to walk through these issues, this is your life. You know, Gracie and I are not waiting for the next surgery to get her better. And before we start living a a life, this is our life after 86 surgeries, you kind of figured out, okay, this is not going to end anytime soon. This is our life. So we can live with beauty and joy. And I learned this from, from reading Victor Frankl's book of, of just seeing beauty, even in the midst of horrific stuff. Um, Corey Boone led Gracie to the Lord when she was just a little girl, and Corey said, "There's no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still." Mm. And 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 so, do we believe these things or not? How has that affected your writing and and the way you, as an artist, have developed?
3: Well, thanks, thanks for asking. So, yeah, the song "Blessings," I man, I so appreciate your your encouraging words about it. As as it's been, I've been so thankful that it's been helpful to so many, and and it's honestly, it's been incredibly helpful to me. I wrote that song about five years after Martin's tumor and we were just still processing a lot of it. And I feel like it was a song where it wasn't so much, um, you know, I don't know what you think about songwriters, but it's not like, <laughs> okay, so here are the the truths that I've mastered that I will impart to you in song form. Maybe some songwriters are like that, but not me. For me, it was more God, graciously gave me the song blessings because he knew that those were the truths that I would be grappling with. Those would be the truths I would, I would need to cling to for the next, I guess it's been 10, 12 years now. And God knew that that's what I needed to sing from a stage night after night. You know, I, I've always been um, so thankful that I was the person that got to write blessings, but it was very much from the Lord. So one thing kind of go back a little bit in our story I began talking to a record label who wanted me to, wanted me to write worship songs and they were going to come down to Atlanta from, you know, from fancy Nashville. They were going to come down and and have dinner with Martin and I. And it was on a Friday night and the Wednesday before was when Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor and just the Lord's timing with that. They still came down and and met with us and we were still kind of reeling with, with that news. And I remember saying um, well, actually I, I remember first week, we first tried to stop them from coming and we said, Hey, we can't even think about uh, the possibility of, of being on a record label right now. And they said, Hey, they, don't worry about that. We we just want to take you out to dinner and bless you guys. So I was a starving artist. So we're like, yes, we will take the free dinner. So you went, down to, you came, went to the varsity. They, so we went to the varsity. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, Honestly, I can't remember where we went, but I remember going and, and just really having a sweet time with them and, so then we went and had Martin's surgery and and then just this began this long battle of, of, our, of our lives being turned upside down. But every few months, that record label would kind of check back in and say, hey, are you ready to do a record? Are you ready to write some songs? And I thought, good grief. No, I'm not. This is crazy right now. It, it was probably nine months later that they asked and I said, do you not understand that my faith is about the shakiest it's ever been in my life. And they said, yes, and that's why we want you to write worship songs. And that was when I just had this epiphany of, you're right. Like the church doesn't need more songs about how happy we are that everything's turned out okay because of the Lord. Happy, happy, happy all the time, time, time. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And at first I was like, I don't even know if I can do this. But my very first album, I wrote the songs for that. We had been out of the hospital maybe, I don't know, a year, two years. And I began to write songs about how can I worship the Lord even if things with Martin's health don't get better. This won't surprise you at all, but, golly, people resonated with those songs. I know it sounds really simple, Peter, but that's kind of what I've done for my career, ministry, whatever this is. Uh, I've just been faithful to share my story, really my husband and my husband's and our family's story, and talk about how the promises of God of His goodness have intersected with the brokenness that we walk through every day, and it seems to encourage others when we share things like that.
0: Apostle Paul said it best: "You comfort one another with the same comfort that you have received from the God of Amen all Amen to
3: that. Yeah, that's it.
0: And uh, I will tell you this: I had a record company. This is where Gracie, I, I don't think I've ever shared this in public, but there, there was a guy there when we lived in Nashville and he he was kind of a full of himself record guy. I'm sure you've met a few of them. And <laughs> he looked at Gracie, we're in his office and they were looking at doing some stuff with her. And he said, well, now you need me to do such and such. And Gracie stopped him right there. And she looked at him, she leveled her gaze at him. She said, can you make my legs grow back? No, well, I guess I really don't need you, do I? (laughs) And and I was like, and her producer turned and looked at her and I looked at her and I was like, well, dang, baby. (laughs) you know. That's exactly right. There's there's a level of clarity of what we really need and and what she really needs. I've always admired her for that because she has this understanding of I have a greater need. Mm -hmm. There's a bigger issue. And I think when you have these chronic things, it keeps you, it brings a clarity of thought. To yeah, uh, the, that's why, I, that's why I'm a big fan of the old hymns and I just love them. I so literally much.
3: was about to say that very same thing. That's,
0: that's, and that's what I play the most. And I, uh, I don't have the caregiver keyboard with me. I usually in my studio back in Montana, I have the caregiver keyboard and I'd play hymns mm. on there. And, uh, <laughs> it's,
3: oh, that's, so, but it's, I need to get one of that. I need to get a caregiver keyboard. I'll caregiver tell you, what, one, one of my, there's so many of those rich, hymns, you know, that is all of my soul and tis so sweet and all of that. But probably my very favorite one that I thought of as soon as you were saying all of that is on Christ's solid rock, I stand because there's a verse there that says, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And it's, it's not that when things start falling apart, and we start getting these diagnoses, it's not that all of a sudden, he becomes our hope and stay. It's the deterioration of the things that we trusted in, of the American dream, of all of that, that's what begins to reveal that the Lord truly was the only sturdy foundation we ever had in the first place. And so even what you were saying about it's almost like with Gracie, like she she doesn't have her legs. Like what what else could she need? Like she has literally learned to face life, facing the unthinkable and surviving. It it really causes all of us to loosen our grip on the things in life that we think we need.
0: One of my favorite lyrics from one of my favorite hymns: "This is my father's world." And it mm. says, uh, "The battle is not done. Jesus, who died, will be satisfied, and earth and heaven be one." That's the hymn. That's that's a text. Right. That's one. That's what I anchor myself in in these moments. And I've I've watched her go on a gurney into surgery so many times. And I don't know if she's coming back. I've watched her in agony uh, and struggle and you put your head down sometimes in such weariness. And then when you hear these lyrics come back and I, Mm I, if you'll allow me this, when I heard your song for the first time and I played that song for Gracie and it was hard for her to get through it. And yet she needed to sing that song. She wanted to sing that song because she understands it. And we understand that we get a view of the heavenlies that we would not get. Otherwise, my mother told me this down there in the coast of South Carolina. She said, there's one of their favorite spots. You see all these beautiful palmetto trees hmm. and the ones that are right there on the front by the ocean are misshapen wind and the sand has smoothed out all their bark and they're all twisty and curly. The ones behind them stand straight. She said, sometimes when you're in the full frontal of the wind, you get twisted around and you get warped. Yeah. But others can stand straight because of your warpness, and then mm. she said, but the warped ones get the best view." <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's "Okay, sweet. mom, I'll I'll take that one." So being I'll both of us that. South Carolinians. you get that. Listen, we're out of time, and I hate that. I wanted to go another this hour here, but so
3: sweet, Peter. Thanks so much for having well, me. Well, uh, and I'll t- I'll say this if I can say just a very last thing uh, to your listeners: Hang in there. God loves you, He has a good plan for your life, even though the plan, the road you are walking may look drastically different from the good plan you had in store, it doesn't mean that God isn't at work in ways that we can't see. Um, And His very last words to us, Lo, I am with you always.
0: That's the whole point of Christmas, Emmanuel. He's with us. Mm -hmm. This is Laura Story, Laura Story Music. Would you go out and take a look at some of the things that she has to offer. She's got this book out that I know you're going to want what well, Adios to, I mean, adios to, God, adios to <laughs> So long normal. And I know you're going to want to take a look at these things. And Laura, I want you to know how much I appreciate you coming on and sharing your hey, story. Thanks
3: so much. This has been such a treat.
0: It has been a treat for us. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver. We'll see you next time.
3: And what if trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the hardest nights, All your mercies in disguise. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.